Welcome to the PBL Playbook, brought to you by Magnify Learning, where we equip you with project-based learning tools today so you can engage and empower your students for the future. We are your hosts, Josh and Andrea, and we're here to break down the playbook of real PBL facilitators in the classroom, just like you, and help bring you strategies and tools for your PBL game. We're glad you're here today. If you like the music you're hearing on our podcast, the band is called Attaboy and the song is Waking Up. Look for the link to their Spotify page in our show notes and on our episode webpage. We hope you enjoy this episode, and if you love what you're hearing from us, please rate us and leave a review. Game on! What was your favorite toy as a child? The University of If you were a flavor of ice, so Dr. Young, would you introduce yourself for our? Do you eat the frosting or the cake on the cupcake first? Your background in education. These are just a few of the questions you'll find on the activity cards designed by our friends. Great to this afternoon. As PBL facilitators, we found that building culture in your classroom can often be difficult and take a lot of work. But using these cards in our classrooms helps make it a whole lot easier. You lead cards um, come with a variety of activities and options for UK interacting with Center students. For Next Don't just take our word for it, though. Check uh, out their website at uleadinc.org and, and order uh, a pack of your own cards at today. NextGen, the Center for Next Gen Leadership is to support uh, deeper, more personalized learning as a path to equity for all kids. So it's an outreach uh, professional development center, and it's in that part of my job, my shop, that I um, spend a lot of time helping folks um, find deeper learning pedagogies and structures that work for all kids. Uh, I'm also a retired P12 educator. Um, I was in the uh, high school classroom and then moved into central office into leadership and was a superintendent of Jessamine County Schools in Kentucky, just south of Lexington and chief academic officer for a couple of school, a couple of years in Fayette County here in Lexington. So 31 and a half years in P12 and the last seven in uh, higher ed. Awesome. Well, we're, we're really glad you're here today and we're lucky to be able to maybe learn some things from, from your experience and just have a really good conversation about project-based learning and, and ultimately what that looks like in higher ed. So we know that especially, you know, across the country in that kind of PK through 12, um, we've seen a shift towards more project-based learning. And, you know, some states have, in fact, like even and made that part of their standards or part of their graduation requirements. Um, but that that shift towards um, PBL and higher ed hasn't maybe picked up as much steam um, as maybe it has at the, the lower grade level. So what have you seen in terms of a shift towards project-based learning? And, and then kind of what is the impact of that um, at that higher ed level? Well, I think that's a really interesting question. You know, in P12, I've seen that same shift that you're talking about. And in fact, that's the work we do, promoting that um, project-based learning and um, inquiry and passion projects and outside school wall experiences so that we have students who are highly engaged and owning their own learning. So that's been the biggest part of my work. But at the same time, I do teach in the graduate program here at the University of Kentucky. And uh, frankly, the shift happened for me before I ever arrived. I inherited uh, the grad courses that I teach. My students are teachers who are training to be principals and superintendents. So um, I actually um, teach four different courses uh, in the Department of Ed Leadership Studies, and all four of those are um, project-based courses. Um, 
not what I would call wall-to-wall -wall PBL, but in the courses that I teach, the designers of those courses, the framers, before I ever came to UK, had built in um, a series of real-life, relevant, timely, um, discipline-specific um, projects that are culminating projects for our students at the end of each of the courses that we teach. And then um, for our final examination process, our students defend an electronic uh, portfolio where all of their projects are housed in, um, in a digital portfolio and um, their committee then reviews their portfolio artifacts, which are these projects that I've been describing. And then their um, success in our um, education specialist degree is determined based on the quality of those artifacts as they align to the professional standards for educational leaders. So having said all of that, um, what I love so much about the courses that I teach is that they were designed in such a way that the students are always working toward these large scale cul culminating projects. For example, I just finished teaching um, school finance. And in that course, my aspiring principals needed to learn um, about lots of fundamentals that apply to um, school finance and um, what that looks like in terms of uh, revenues for schools and expenditures at the school level. Um, but they also needed to learn the really practical, applicable, applicable skills of developing a sound budget and coding that in our uh, MUNIS system and in um, the decision-making process. So the large-scale project for EDL 627 is developing a school-based budget for their own school. That includes um, how they would grapple with staffing allocations for certified staff and classified staff, as well as how they would spend their instructional funds, how they would work with their school councils and budget committees. So um, in that project, a very real life project, they began by interviewing their principal and bookkeeper and really beginning to learn the fundamentals in, during class sessions, but then working the whole time toward putting together a budget of their own. So that's an example, and that's true across our ed leadership department um, in uh, our principal program, our superintendent program, our teacher leader program. Students are always um, working toward these culminating projects that demonstrate um, their learning in very practical, practical ways. I, I really love that. Um, and, and as I think about it, you know, and this, I think this applies to teachers too, um, as you, as you're going through it, like there's so much that you learn in that first year, whether it's as a teacher and an administrator or whatever. And it, it's because you, you get into that real life situation. And yes, I think we, we can all agree that there are things that you can, you can prepare for by, you know, reading text, reading articles, having discussions and doing all that, but right. by getting in and, and doing that work, even if it's in a, a situation where, you know, the, the final budget isn't going to be approved by the school board or, or whatever it may be, you get that experience. And I think it's so valuable. And I think it's, it's such a great opportunity for, for your students to be able to have that, um, that real experience and, and do it when it, when it matters, right? Like, you know, I think the thing about PBL that's so relevant and makes it such a, a powerful uh, method for um, instruction is kids need to learn the content when it's relevant to them as opposed to learning it whenever the teacher decides. And so when they know like, oh, I need to know, you know, these budgeting fundamentals because it's going to help me complete this budget that I'm doing as a project, 
they're invested more and it, it helps them when they need it as opposed to, you know, a year or two before they actually end up needing it um, when they, they face it in their real situation. So that's really cool. Yeah, I agree, Joshua. And you said kids and I do the same thing with my students all the time. And then I remember that they're grownups, but um, learners, learners want relevance. They, uh, it is the, it is through the relevance that the application occurs. So what I love so much about PBL as a pedagogical model is that we begin with inquiry, follow that line of inquiry, and then apply the learning through the project instead of um, doing the project to demonstrate what they've learned. It is through the project itself um, that the learning happens. And that's really exciting. And it lends itself beautifully for higher ed, graduate and undergraduate. So um, in, in many of the same ways, for many of the same reasons that it works so well in P12. Yeah, absolutely. The, you know, the whole time you were describing some of those projects that that um, the learners there are doing, I just think about the stage of life that they're in getting ready to enter those fields and to enter the real world and to have that real world experience where they're getting that hands-on experience and that type of learning that we value so much um, really makes sense, right? So with that in mind, why, what, do you, what are the challenges about implementing PBL in higher ed, whether it's an education program or just generally across the board? Why aren't we seeing that more? So I think there's several challenges, and these are all kind of built on some assumptions that I might have. And some of those assumptions include the fact that um, perhaps inquiry isn't um, and the application of the learning isn't as valued in four-year institutions. Um, and in graduate programs. So it's often um, that we default to the importance of the content and becoming content experts and scholars. Uh, but I don't believe that that should take a backseat to those uh, 21st century skills that we are able to demonstrate through projects. So while, yes, it's really important that our uh, undergraduate and graduate students become experts in their fields, it's also critically important that they demonstrate all those transcendent skills, including communicating their learning and collaborating in the process and, and an expectation that there will be some creative application of their scholarship and um, owning their own learning. All of those things that we know PBL activates in younger learners apply to us as older learners as well. So, so I think one of the barriers is that um, content is often preeminent. Um, in higher ed, and perhaps the value, um, or perhaps the expectation that we should all be contributing to the development of those uh, transcendent real-world skills, uh, perhaps is not always there. And then also, I think that when you experience good project-based learning, then you're often um, fired up and ready to try it yourself as the educator. So, you know, perhaps there's a lack of exposure at the higher ed level, Although I will tell you, I've seen some really, really good PBL in action while being at the University of Kentucky. So, um, so I, I might tell you that the the field is ripe under harvest for uh, PBL in higher ed because it really is the kind of uh, marketable skills. It provides the kind of marketable skills that we expect of all of our graduates, and I certainly see that in our program too. Yeah, I, th I think that's really interesting, and and I, I couldn't agree more. You know, I think when we talk about the power of PBL, it's it's once you get that experience, it just becomes 
so hard not to think in that way and to you know once especially as a as a teacher you you see what it does for your students and you go oh my gosh like why why wouldn't i push myself to make that happen and and then you know i i think for me another part of that that piece is you know we've we're now in the work that you're doing and why it's so important is like we're now looking at a bunch of teachers and administrators who've gotten that experience who then can say i've had this shared experience and i want this for my students and that's just going to continue um to see that you know really powerful practice grow and, and i'm really excited for that so we we often talk about um at, in our podcast we talk about that you know we're, we're usually focused on um you know that pk through 12 and we talk about the difference between doing a project in a PBL unit with a third grader versus an eighth grader versus, you know, an 11th grader. And we see that, you know, the growth and the changes. So what are some of the things that, that might look different um, in that higher ed level? Um, and, and then, um, you know, what do you do knowing that their, their background knowledge and their experience definitely is, is, you know, maybe even more varied than what you see at an elementary or secondary level? Yeah, so I, I've been thinking about that question, preparing for today, and in so many ways, as I've mentioned already, the learner experience is very similar from P12 and into higher ed. But I will tell you that um, one of the things that happens in higher ed is that the responsibility for the learning has entirely shifted to the learner. Um, there's no transition for that. It really is the onus of the student in higher ed um, to learn and to do whatever it takes to be successful in their learning. And so having said that, um, I try to always be really open with my students about the fact, here's a project that I have in mind, but it can iterate. It can look like you want it to look. If you need to take this project in a different direction and you want to demonstrate your learning in a very different kind of way, um, do it. Justify it. Um, present me with the rationale for what you're doing and then go let follow that uh, learning and inquiry wherever it takes you. Um, frankly, most of the projects end up looking very similar to the way I've defined them um, in the syllabus and for the and in the Canvas learning system management system. Um, but there is always that um, the adult learner always has that kind of different take on things. So I'm, I'm, I'm even inside projects that end up. Uh, being very similar in nature, I learn so many different things about the way my students think about their work. I teach a course on um, school family community engagement and it, the possible ways to think about their final action plan are just myriad and the students, it's, it's, there, it's there where I get really excited when students follow lines of inquiry that had never occurred to me before. And of course that can happen in P12 too, but it's really powerful in higher ed because you realize that you're producing these future principals and superintendents and scholars who are, um, who are agents of their own learning and then that inquiry takes on almost a life of its own. And so it's really gratifying to see that. Um, I think that same kind of exhilaration can happen with younger learners too. I've seen little guys that come up with really unique um, ideas through their projects and applications of their projects, things that their teachers might never have thought of, but um, um, but there's definitely the ownership at the um, higher ed level that I think is, again, lends itself really well to PBL as an instructional model. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, to kind of reiterate one of your points is knowing that they are getting ready to go into that field and are taking that perspective and 
um, just taking that work with them is really powerful and um, probably heartening to know. Yeah. And there's um, some authenticity to projects in higher ed because I think folks think so often of the, the paper or the dissertation or um, the test as the default performance assessment in higher ed. And of course it doesn't have to be, but the authenticity that our um, graduate students experience through uh, timely and relevant um, real world projects makes them again, really engaged in the work. And I, I think that the outcomes have to be deeper and longer lasting um, when they have that level of authenticity throughout the experience. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, along those lines, um, I think a lot of our a lot of our listeners are probably that P through PK through twelve um, listenership. We might have some in higher ed, um, but knowing that some of those secondary teachers are teaching classes that are dual credit or college courses within a secondary school, um, what is some advice you would give? Any, any of those listeners about implementing PBL with that kind of curriculum? So I'm so happy for that question. If I could have written a question, I would have written that one. So thanks, Andrea. Um, our team at the Center for UK Center for Next Generation Leadership also um, administers UK's dual credit program for our partner high schools. So we're really engaged in that work. And one of the things that we do, and I would offer as a tip for our uh, high school listeners is that um, if you think about the university schedule, that's often a Monday, Wednesday, Tuesday, Thursday kind of schedule. And so the way we do dual credit at UK is that our um, high school teacher is with the students every day all week and our university professors zoom in with the students a couple of days a week. So there's a lot of time for our high school partners, partner teachers, to work with their students beyond what they learn from their professor on Tuesdays and Thursdays, for example. So what we find then in a dual credit model is that our high school teachers provide that um, social emotional just-in-time support that our, our students in dual credit need to be successful in their college courses, but then they have all that additional time with the students to go more deeply into projects, which would be our preferred um, learning mode um, into remediation and support, um, support for the writing process, uh, support for research. So the high school teacher has more time with them every week than our dual credit professor does. So um, that's the perfect time to engage kids uh, through PBL and other lines of inquiry so that um, what they're learning has some immediate application in the high school um, setting for the dual credit too. So, and I don't say that, I don't mean to say that our professors don't engage students in inquiry or projects because they do. Sometimes that is an outcome that they're all working toward. Uh, but other times the, it's the high school teacher who often has the real chops when it comes to PPL and can really help our students in that way on the high school time. Yeah, that's that's really fantastic, and the partnership there, I think, I think benefits everyone involved. Yeah. And so it's it's really one it's really one of those things that you really like to see, and and you hope that as we continue to um, you know improve our practices as, as a country and and work on education, we we start to see that that kind of effect where we we get some breakthrough of PBL and it, it just continues to grow and and spark and um, 
change the way that we we approach um, teaching our kids. So, well, I appreciate you um, being here this afternoon. We really uh, enjoyed the conversation, and um, I think the um, next step at the higher the, having PBL at higher ed is really going to be an exciting one, and we look forward to seeing kind of the work that you continue to do and, and how that continues to shape um, our area and and how it continues to shape the work that we do with Magnify Learning. Excellent. Well, I would just add in closing that Magnify Learning has been a wonderful partner uh, for us at the UK Center for Next Gen Leadership over the last five or six years. Um, Ryan is a rock star among our network uh, partners here in Kentucky, and we love working uh, with you and the work that you're doing in Magnify Learning to think about it having higher ed applications is really exciting for me. So kudos for even opening up this conversation. And if there's anything else I can do to support you and your um, your teachers and schools, let me know. Thank you. We appreciate your time so much. We want to thank ULEAD for sponsoring this episode of the PBL Playbook. ULEAD exists to bring dynamic team building training and activities to youth, youth workers, educators, and youth serving organizations. We love ULEAD because they are all about building culture and supporting individual, team, and community growth. At Magnify Learning, culture is one of our core values, and we love seeing people and communities thrive. Ready, break. Thanks again for joining us for the PBL Playbook, where we broke down the playbook of real PBL facilitators in the classroom just like you and helped bring you strategies and tools for your PBL game. If you want to reach the pod, you can tweet us at at AskGeebs, at MissB103, or at MagnifyLearning, or you can email us with any PBL questions, thoughts, or ideas you have at pblplaybook at magnifylearningin.org. Also, be sure to show us some PBL love by rating, reviewing, and sharing the PBL playbook with other educators. Uh